Welcome back to the Renaissance uh, episode 29. Mm. My name's Cameron Riley. With me, as always, is Ray Harris. And we're in the process of talking about yeah. the competition for the new bronze doors of the baptistery in uh, the, the, in the uh, cathedral piazza in Florence. The year is about 1401. Mm-hmm. Seven artists from around Italy who know absolutely nothing <laughs> about making bronze doors, right. except can't be that hard, um, have uh, uh, been given a year. Someone's got to win. Some money, yeah. some bronze, yeah. and the, the, the mission of depicting the scene from the Old Testament where Yahweh, the God of the Jews, in his infinite mercy, <laughs> told Abraham, his favourite Jew, to kill his only son in cold blood yeah. just because it was a slow Tuesday. Show me you love me. Um, yeah. 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 Now, um, the governors of Florence and the, the, the governors of the baptistry and the, the uh, cloth guild who were financing it um, probably chose this scene because in the views of Christians at the time, mm-hmm. The story is all about divine intervention. Ah. Now, divine inspiration, kill your son, and then, oh, I was only kidding at the last right. minute. Now, you could call that divine intervention if you want, <laughs> I guess, but uh, right. divine prank is the way I look at it. What? He God, 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 God said, hey, 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 Abraham, right. kill your son. Thinking it was a gag, yeah. Um, went 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 down the went down the pub for a bit, um, thinking they all had a good laugh. Right. And then one of his angels comes. He goes, uh, "You realise he's actually going through with it." God was what like, "What? Oh, you made me spill my beer." Fucking, I, <laughs> I was kidding. Come on, I dude, did my kidding what voice. the? <laughs> Didn't you see me wink? At the uh, when I like, what are you doing? You're killing your only kid. What That's is crazy. wrong with you? Oh my god! But you said, oh god, you Jews, <laughs> you have no sense of humor. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I gotta go. But we we yeah, we created Seinfeld and Woody <laughs> Allen. Well, yeah, but you needed a Holocaust before you learned. Yeah. To laugh at yourselves. So, so then the angel said, "Are you going to go stop him?" Is like God's like, well, you know. I can't yeah. be bothered. I would. <laughs> but I just I ordered would. a big plate of, you know, I would have choose Chicken buffalo of. wings. <laughs> buffalo wings. And you've got to eat them while they're hot. You've had cold oh, buffalo wings. Not good. That's the yeah. worst. I can't. And by the way, I, besides, I just can't look at him. I can't believe he That's took right. me seriously. I told him to kill his only kid and he was going to do it. I'm embarrassed it. for him. Who, yeah. who would kill their only begotten son? <laughs> They go, well, I don't know if you've read the script ahead, but... Oh, God, I don't read ahead. I just wing it. Speaking of wings, i got to get into these buffalo wings. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to go warn him, stop him. You go ahead and stop him. But yeah, I'm, I'm tucking yeah, in. Yeah. I've got my... Hey, I'm tucking but in. But I'm not, I'm not paying you for it. Don't put in an overtime. Punch out. Punch sheet out. for that. That's, up, that's on you. Yeah. That's on you, you if want to you're going to go do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, the angel turns up and he goes, uh, oh, hey, Abraham, uh, don't kill the kid. He goes, well, God, did God t- send you? 
The angel's like, in a way. Yeah, fuck yes, God. Yeah, God <laughs> sent me. God yes, sent me. Yahweh, Yahweh gives a shit. Well, why did he tell me to kill him if he, look, look. it's not your position to, to question, question the mind of the Lord, no, Abraham. He's mysterious Just, in all things. Look. I'm not going to say he hadn't had his coffee, but uh, let's just say that he's grumpy in the mornings. and um, There's no empty cup in front of him. In future, if God tells you to do something that to you seems morally suspect. And it's before 8 a.m. Just look, here's my private number. Just call me first. Let's talk about it and I'll let you know whether or not it's a pre-coffee command from the Lord. (laughs) Or a post-coffee command from the Lord. Which There's a big difference yeah. Yeah. <laughs> between the two. The amount of times he's told me to commit acts of genocide <laughs> against innocent villagers. And, you know, honestly, you know, it's a bit like when Trump tells his generals to drop nuclear bombs on uh, North Korea or Iran. They go, yeah, yeah, yeah right, sure, right President Trump. Yeah, no, now. we'll get right on yeah. that. Yeah. Right on to it. Yep, yep. Yeah, we're, go- we're all going into this little room now to do it. You just go back, eat, eat another Big Mac, and sit on your golden toilet. And um, text away. We will. Right. We'll get right. We'll yeah. get right on yeah. that job. Yeah. And then he has. Then he has his coffee, and he comes the fuck down. And then, because we know God's going to call us back in, and a couple of hours later, and go, "Hey, uh, that genocide yeah. thing. You, have you? You haven't done that yet, have you? Oh, we were just, just doing it. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I don't, don't. I've changed my mind on that. Just, just. Are you just, sure? Just hold, I can. hold off on that. I can. No. Yeah, okay. no, no. Well, yeah, maybe tomorrow. Right. Let's see how. Let's see if they pick their fucking game just up today. Because per you. Yeah. All right. So divine intervention, <laughs> uh, because they had been saved from both the plague and also there was a series of military threats from outside that we will talk about in um, future episodes. Right. And, you know, Jesus was all about the bling. So after a year of working on these things, all of the artists handed in their work. Mm -hmm. Seven artists, seven bronze depictions of Abraham uh, about to kill Isaac. Yeah. Five of the seven went straight in the shred. They were like, oh, my God, Recycle. I can't believe we Recycle. wasted all that money and bronze yeah. on you guys. Yeah. That you guys, obviously, we should have put in the job ad, we should have put yeah. some experience yeah. in making bronze doors <laughs> is, is, is necessary because you guys obviously don't have any Suck fucking idea. Ass. Yeah. Jacopo, Nicola, Nicola, yeah, Simone, yeah, you guys suck. You're out. Francesco, you're out of here. Out. Donatello, <laughs> Donatello, um, go be a, go be a teenage mutant ninja turtle. Um, yeah, you suck. Okay. Oh, um, you, you, you know, don't give up your day job right. being a teenage yeah. ninja mutant Hold turtle. On to that. Teenage, I can never. Is it teenage, teenage? Is it teenage mutant ninja turtle or teenage ninja mutant turtle? Oh, T M N T. Teenage Mut- mutant ninja t- turtle. Turtle. Yes. Go back to being a turtle. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hold on to that. You're not ready. You're not. You're not ready for the bronze door uh, sculpting, but. Two guys, yes. they were pretty happy with their work. Gibbo, Lorenzo Ghiberti, right. and Filippo Brunelleschi. Nice name. 
Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about this other finalist, Bruno. Okay. Let me catch. All right. Well, again, let me ask you this. I've got the year he was born and no um, date uh, or month or anything, 1377. Did you have any, did you find out anything more? What's going on with this, this no. lack of information? Gee, it's like you wrote the notes for the entire Renaissance. Um, no, like, I don't think anyone cared really That's about true. when they were born. That's it, true. No one was keeping records. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was born in 1377 in Florence, which makes him about, again, sort of 23 when this is happening, this mm-hmm. competition, 24, 23, 24. Um, now, Brunelleschi, uh, you've probably heard of him if you've paid any attention to the Renaissance. He is considered, well, the first modern engineer. Nice. Uh also known for developing a little thing called linear perspective in art. Right. Because, you know, only complete losers are famous for just one thing. <laughs> this is the Renaissance right, that was we're his talking model. about. Now, personally, uh, you know, I, I invented long-form history podcasting. Right. Uh, the world's first podcast network and recording podcasts over Skype. True. So that's three things wow. which makes me one better than Brunelleschi. Yeah. Now I'm not I'm not blowing my own horn, I'm just saying yeah. fuck Brunelleschi. <laughs> I invented three things. But two, not bad. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Not bad. Like I'm impressed. Influence influential, yes, but how many people do history podcasts today? How many people record podcasts over Skype today? I was first. Yes. Do they write books about me, so, Ray? Well, no, they don't. Books. But no, but no, absolutely. 500 years from now, somebody Tons will. Of books. Somebody will. I'm going to write one. Remember me. Biography. Oh, thanks, Ray. Camography. <laughs> now, we don't know much about uh, Bruno. Right. Uh, in, in terms of his youth, except his father was a notary, Ooh, a civil servant. Exciting. Not a goldsmith. Right. So he starts even f- further <laughs> behind. His mother wasn't necessarily a slutty gold digger but, like your birdies, right. but uh, notary. It's not bad. Like all good sons, yeah. yeah. Like all good sons, Bruno was supposed to follow in his father's footsteps, but that's not what he did. What did he do instead, Ray? No, it turns out that uh, even though you know he was given the literary and mathematical education you need in order to follow in your father's footsteps as a civil servant, so uh, it turns out that he was artistically inclined, and so he is sent to the Arte de la Seta, the Silk Merchants Guild, which includes goldsmiths, metal workers, and bronze workers. So again, his father somehow got him in there, either by talent and or bribe. And so if you think about it, I mean, that's certainly a step up from his father. He is on the right track to be able to have a decent life. So thanks, Dad, for for everything that you've done for me. But he does seem to be genuinely artistically inclined. And so the Silk Merchants Guild isn't going to take you just for the heck of it. You've got to bring some talent. And as it turns out, that early education in mathematics is going to be pretty fucking important. He's going to use that. I never use math. He's going to use a lot of math. 
Yeah, you no, that's that's not fair. You do a lot of maths, uh, like when you're counting your lines of notes for each episode. You're like, well, three lines plus hey, one line. I've gotten into double digits, so I don't appreciate that's that. Four lines, yeah. and that's my work done for the week. I'm going to go play with the dog. What's Doctor porn. Who? Oh, Doctor Who porn. No, what'd you say? So, yeah. Yeah. Now, um, so this means when the Bapisteri door competition is being held, Bruno is about 24. Gibbo is about 21 or 22, depending on when he was actually born. Right. Now, their submissions, the Abraham and Isaac panel, the Kill Your Son panel. (laughs) Right. um, Their panels have been preserved they're the only ones that have been survived because the others were so embarrassingly bad they put them wow. in the shredder. Mm-hmm. Um, bronze, no, they, they melted them down. Bronze was expensive, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Um, but these two were kept. Now, they both show exactly the same scene. Now, did you – I know I probably shouldn't ask yeah, this ahead. question, but did you look at these two panels in detail? Did you look at them closely? Did you get into it? Did you go deep? I Yes, I actually have uh... – the picture's right in front of me right now that I was going to put on Facebook. Is this the first time? Is this the first time you've looked at them? Um, <laughs> right now? I don't Did you just pull them up? Have to did you, did you Wikipedia question. them three seconds ago? <laughs> no. I did have pictures on my computer for at least two hours um, because I was, after tonight recording with you, I was going to put them on Facebook just to, so people would have a visual mm. of what we're talking about. I. Well, I put them on Facebook a couple of days ago, bitch. So I'm gonna put them uh, on there anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure you are. So yeah, um, like, you know, tell me what you see uh, when you look at them, Ray. These these two panels done by Bruno and Gibbo. What you know, if you had to choose between the two, yeah, what which one would you choose? Which one do you think is well, best, and why? I'm interested. The one thing that I've um, going hard on this uh, quatrefoil and uh, and the whole perspective, all the stuff that I had to pretend to study, getting ready for the show, I do appreciate now that I've learned that stuff and I and you kind of know what to look for. I do appreciate the uh, space that Gibbo. Ghiberti brings into it. It's not as cluttered. It's not as crowded. You do get a sense of um, this. This is more lifelike than the other one. They're both very good, and they're both in some ways so identical. Um, but um, you you do get the sense of space and what he was able to do with it. I don't know how they decided. I don't know how they made their decision because to me, there's not a lot of difference in there um, because, well, I don't know. I'm looking at Gilberti's now and some of the detail is, fi- is a little bit finer than Brutaleski's. But again, I, I I don't know if I would decide that on my own, not, not already knowing about perspective and all the other stuff that is supposedly important to the Renaissance mentality. Oh... So that's it? You don't have anything else? No. I'm just looking at the two pictures going off that answering your question. Why do you fucking mess with me? What's your opinion? When you're looking at these two, what do you see? Yeah, well, this is is part of our homework for the week, right? I mean, I spent a lot of time looking at these things, really trying to pay attention 
to the the minutiae of these things and get into the heads of the the judges. Um, I you know I I think I actually prefer Brunelleschi's mm-hmm. um, because it is slightly more violent. So both panels. Ah. Uh, depict the moment when the angel intervenes and goes, you know, that was a pre-coffee command, just back the fuck off for a second. In Brunelleschi's panel, um, Abraham is actually, he's grabbing Isaac by the throat and pushing his head backwards. Isaac's kneeling on one knee Mm -hmm. um, on on a sacrificial altar. Abraham's pushing his head back and he's got the tip of the blade at Fuck. Isaac's yeah. throat. He's about to push it in yeah. and the angel flies in from the left corner and actually has to grab Abraham by the wrist. Stop him. Yeah. So it, it gives you the sense of it's very, very last second. Mm-hmm. Literally, one more second go by, that, that blade is in Isaac's right. fucking throat. No backsis. And, and the and the angels swooped in at the last second, mm-hmm. like he could have, you know, uh, being in command of space and time, maybe he could have. It's a bit like the doctor coming in and saving people at the last second. Like, you got a fucking TARDIS, man. Like, <laughs> why sure. didn't you appear half an hour ago and say, <laughs> listen, uh, don't do that? Yeah. No, but, but if I can respond to that real quick, from what I saw on the YouTube video, there was supposedly about the space and distance of the Ghiberti was somehow, to some of the judges, supposed to increase the tension of the moment, as opposed to, like you were saying, I mean, he's got his, he's got the tip of the knife near his throat, the angel's actually got to put his hand on him to barely stop this guy in time. Supposedly, some of them read more tension um, into the space that Ghiberti used, between the knife, the throat, the angel, and the dad. So, I found that interesting. Well, in the Ghiberti, in the Ghiberti one, mm-hmm. um, an interesting, you know, the, the Brunelleschi one, the angel flies in from the left mm-hmm. and Abraham's looking towards the left. Right. Um, the, the Ghiberti one's reversed. The angel's flying in from the right. Mm-hmm. Abraham's looking towards the right. In the, in the Ghiberti one, Abraham's elbow and arm is pulled back yeah. like he's about to thrust it right. uh, at the chest yes. of Isaac. And the angel swooping in, not grabbing him by the arm, but just like he's going, Hey, hey you, hey. up here, look. Hey, his hands. hey hello. Yeah. Look at me. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one thing that does jump out at me in the Ghiberti panel is the body of Isaac. Now, I don't know how old he's supposed to be here, but however old he is, he's he's been working out. Um, Pretty buff. Pretty buff. For a young boy, yeah. he's got an amazing set of pecs. <laughs> I'd be happy with those pecs and biceps. Uh, he's got a got a six pack and eight pack, and and yeah. and his and his uh, uncut penis. <laughs> not was it bad. cut? I can't tell. It's I, about I to be cut, cut, but uh, it's about yeah. to be cut. It's not bad. It's hanging loose. Yeah. So he's a he's a he's a nude. And uh, a very strikingly handsome right. nude at that. Now, apparently the judges like that. They like a little bit of a nude male torso. And, in fact, this is considered the first Renaissance nude. It is. Whereas Isaac in the Bruno one, he's uh, his body is sort of 
skinny. He's not built. Right. It's twisted. It looks a little bit emaciated and pathetic, and he's got a loincloth on. Right. Um, but I, I think the Bruno one is more dramatic, and it, and it might have been actually too ah, dramatic. Gotcha. It, it, it's like a holy shit, <laughs> fucking tone it down a little bit, Bruno. Like, dude, I'm I. They were going. They, they needed like PTSD therapy after <laughs> looking at this. You told me it you was, wanted this. I'm giving you what you yeah. want. The fuck? I'm not a like, mind reader. It's brutal. But we said we wanted brutal, but not that <laughs> not brutal. Like this is B. like an Eli Roth yeah. film. <laughs> This is like an Eli Roth or like Hostel. It's just like people getting chopped up with fucking chainsaws in front of your eyes, oh, man. Like, okay, yeah. okay. Like, this is torture porn. Yeah. Like, we wanted, we want to scare people, absolutely, about, you know, the, the, the mercy of the Lord and all that kind of stuff, but we don't need torture porn, right. man. Come on. Like, back, back it, back <laughs> off a little going bit, on a Bruno. Fuck it. Yeah. So. Fucking no, hell. I did, I did want to... Next, next, yeah, next you'll have literally, you know, like blood spraying <laughs> out of the thing at, all over people badass. when they're... They're going to go baptise their baby, man. Like, they don't want... They don't want to be traumatised like when they're going blood. in to baptise their baby. <laughs> yeah. Pattern, yeah. 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 <laughs> That's, I'm a splatterist. No, I, I did, but I did want to mention the nude because I had read that... This was the first nude um, in like mm. a thousand mm. years, you know. Like we were, like I was saying on the last episode, that it was making a comeback just because people were discovering very old statues, or at the very least, studying works of art that were from the ancient times. And so, yeah, so so he, I, I think that he maybe he decided because he's twenty one or twenty two, he decides to be bold. He makes this guy nude. He makes this guy buff. He makes this guy facing in front of you so you can see a schlong. So it was a pretty big bold move for Gerberti, but I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to work for him. Now, the, the, I think the trick to looking at these things um, uh, with, as a modern person is you have to r- realise w- how dramatic these things were in terms of approach and style, not content, to the early 15th century eye. Uh, and to do that, we need to talk a little bit about art at the time, where it was. Now... We talked in the last episode about, you know, Petrarch and Boccaccio helped get people interested in Greek mythology and the ancient world, ancient Rome, ancient Greece, in the art from those times and the stories and the approach to art. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- this started to change the way that uh, people thought about art, particularly artists thought about art. They were trying to go back and capture some of the essence of these, uh, the, the antiquity, uh, the art from antiquity, Greece and Rome. Right. These these two guys, Bruno and Gibbo, are at the forefront of this. Now, these both of these paintings are very naturalistic. Um, there are there are trees, there are rocks. Uh, there's a sense of depth and space and dimension here. Some of the figures. Uh, are really jumping out mm-hmm. from the bronze, right. like they're they're in stark relief to the background. Others are more recessed into the background, so you really get a sense of depth and perspective and movement and life. Um, there's a lot going on in these, and this, when you compare it to 14th century art, this is a huge departure. And I want to talk a little bit about this. And now, again, this is where the disclaimer from the last episode comes in. We're not currently working as art historians or or art professors. Not currently. Not to say we couldn't if we 
no, one or two. Focused. Yeah, give us give us a couple of weeks. <laughs> and the jacket that you need to wear, yeah. But, so this is my understanding of it based on books and <clears throat> what we learnt when we were in Florence right? and Paris and Rome a couple of months ago from the guides that we had when yeah. we went to the museums and looking at a lot of this art for three weeks and, and listening to the guides and stuff. So, you know, uh, the 14th century uh, or, or the Trecento as it's known, uh, the 1300s uh, in, in Italian um, language, the Trecento. Right. Yeah. Um, was was a big dramatic time in art um, and, and the guy that really changed it dramatically was a guy called Giotto. He was the great master of the 14th century. He's the first artist uh, to really depict in that era, you know, after antiquity, three-dimensional figures in Western European art. Now, when, when you look at Byzantine art, the most popular art um, before this period, 12th, 13th century art, 14th century art, very flat paintings, yeah. uh, very 2D. The figures are all very 2D. The faces are 2D. The, the settings are 2D. There's not a lot of depth or perspective, if any at all. Um, it's not like you can tell that these people are sitting at the front and these people are sitting behind right. them and then there's mountains in the background. It's all very cartoony and flat. There's no emotion in the faces. Their faces are all very tranquil because they're always religious figures. A lot, of, a lot of Marys and Jesuses, man. You go to these fucking <laughs> right. museums and you're... a halo or whatever. It's all... Yeah. Every fucking painting is either a crucifixion or Jesus and Mary. Occasionally, one of the other fathers or popes or whatever, but it's all very, very, uh, you know, they're all yeah. these very placid faces. Um, it doesn't matter what's going on. Very, very placid, tranquil, cows being led to the slaughterhouse kind of faces, <laughs> which is pretty much how I think of Christians <laughs> generally speaking. <laughs> not a lot. Of, not a lot of intelligence. Not a lot of intelligence going on in these faces. No thinking, just They're just thinking. like, okay, Bible. All right, God. Um, and with Byzantine art, a ton of gold and silver yeah. on the paintings because. Jesus was insane for the bling, and they knew that. And so they they were like, the, he just loves gold. Yeah. The more gold, um, actually, I've got a, I've got a, um, I've got a, a clip of Jesus here. Um, let me see if I can find it. I love gold. Thank you, Jesus. Um, <laughs> So they, uh, thank you, Jesus. So, yeah, a lot of gold, very two-dimensional, no emotion. Um, right. And Giotto was the big breakaway from that. So we're talking early 1300s. Uh, in, in Giotto's paintings, the fabric folds are a lot more realistic. He's using a lot of light and shadow and colour to try and create the appearance of fabric. There's a lot more depth, dimension, dimensionality, dimensionality, dimensions. There's a lot more dimensions <laughs> right. in his paintings. Right. Let's just go with that. 
Um, but his faces are all still tranquil. They look like they're made out of stone. Um, if you look at uh, one of his most famous paintings, the Onisanti Madonna mm-hmm. from 1310, which which we saw when we were at the Uffizi Gallery in Florence. Right. You know, the faces is Mary is another Mary and, you know, and Jesus thing. And, and the faces are all still weird, um, tranquil, serene. Baby Jesus has a, an adult serene face. Um, you know, quite often in these paintings, it's the same face. Yeah, painted on all yeah. the figures, exactly the same face. Just here, which is weird and yeah. weird and creepy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Giotto was a huge step forward yeah. uh, because he was he was introducing naturalistic elements. He wasn't all the way there, which is why he's not considered a Renaissance painter. But he's pre-Renaissance and was a huge influence on. Both his contemporaries, I mean, Boccaccio wrote in the Decameron that Giotto had brought back to light the art of painting that for many centuries had been buried under the errors of some who painted more to delight the eyes of the ignorant than to please the intellect of the wise. Wow. That's pretty out. Wow. Don't hold back. Tell us what you really think, (laughs) Boccaccio. Um, So... (laughs) Uh, his contemporaries realised it, and but but of course, the guys that came after him, uh, particularly from Bruno and Gibbo onwards, they're all about taking what Giotto had done and and taking it to the next level, taking it to eleven. Right. If if I can add on to that, yeah, you you were talking about that. He when it comes to the faces, he doesn't get much better. I think maybe at the end of his life, he started to change on the faces. But like you were saying, when it when it came to the garments that people were wearing, they actually hung more naturally, like there was actual form and weight. He uses foreshadowing, and the figures aren't stylized or they're not elongated. I can't remember when when we were in the museum and the um, the the guide was pointing this out to us when they would point to a previous painting, it was very flat. And it was like when the dress or the cloth came down, they just made a, or the bottom of a skirt or whatever. They just made a very genetic figure. Here's the waist. It comes down to the ground. It stops. And here's some shoes or whatever. It was very almost like what you would see uh, a 10 year old draw if they, if they drew a lady in a dress. But so even though he's not getting there with the face, he is starting to make the body look a lot more real, realistic. And it looks like there's movement. It looks like their muscles are straining. And so he, is getting a lot better, and you're absolutely right. He does start the to break the mold of what has come before him. One artist in the 15th century declared that Giotto had translated painting from Greek into Latin. Wow, that's cool. So he's making it making it much more naturalistic yeah. and less less kind of uh, uptight and and religiously formal. In the 16th century, uh, Giorgio Vasari, who we're going to talk about a lot, if, you, if you've never heard of Vasari, he was an artist himself, um, but he also wrote a series of books on the lives of the artists and painters and sculptors um, where he did biographies on a lot of these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's probably the most famous art book ever, I, I think, or certainly one of the most famous art books. Most of what we know about these guys, these Renaissance, uh, early Renaissance and slightly pre-Renaissance artists, comes from Vasari because he wrote it down. There's also some other biographies and autobiographies written, but you know Vasari is the big one. Right. 
Um, he wrote that Giotto had abandoned the rude manner of the Greeks, and since he continued to derive from nature, he deserves to be called the pupil of nature and no other. So um, he took his art from nature. Now, for, for his successors, Giotto was the man. They, they, they looked to him for the lessons. And I don't want to go too deep into Giotto. I think we'll do that in another episode. Mm-hmm. But the creators of the Renaissance style, Ghiberti, Brunelleschi, Donatello, kind of rejected their contemporaries and even their own teachers and went back to Giotto and then back to ancient Greece and ancient Rome for their inspiration. And what I read is that what they admired most about Giotto was the way that he could make the stories from Christian tradition more evocative and moving Mm. by making them realistic, by creating realistic human forms Ah. and settings rather than these fake-looking, formalistic, idealistic representations representations right. of tr- tranquil slaughterhouse cows and and bringing some of the 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 emotion like and honestly this is you know what we try and do with our shows I was talking to Doug Onsi about this the other day like what we try and do with these history shows is make these people from history real real people yeah. with real problems right. yeah re- re- they're really they're, they're, they're rational actors really trying to get shit done in the best way they know how with all of the problems and the struggles that go along with that rather than the way history is normally taught which is names and dates and yeah, events it's all and preordained and this is what yeah this is what the renaissance artists were trying to do with art they're trying to make these things more uh what's the word relatable mm-hmm. uh, and evocative by taking these christian scenes and depicting them in more realistic uh, ways. Now, note again that these people are still deeply Christian. Right. Even though humanism is emerging at this point, they're still thinking about art in terms of telling the stories of Christianity, just doing it better. <laughs> yeah. It's like you can almost picture when you see these improved paintings, like you can almost picture it in your mind's eyes. Oh, this could be, this is more realistic. This could be more real as opposed to just the flatness. And so, yeah, I mean, it does, I'm I'm sure it inspired their faith um, to new levels. Now, Giotto had a way of uh, achieving this. He would, he would focus the viewer's attention on, Certain things. So, if you go back to that uh, Onesentim uh, uh, Madonna I mentioned earlier on, um, the I don't have it in front of me, but from memory, the the figure of Mary is massive in the center of the frame, mm-hmm. and Jesus is sitting on a on a knee or something. And then the, there's other figures in it, but they're smaller and moved to the side. So he's 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 really trying to focus your attention on certain parts of the painting and this then becomes a technique that that people use after him um so he's 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 not just uh uh depicting a, a mirror image of 
a scene. He's actually playing with it, right. copying nature, but not trying to do a mirror image of the physical universe. He's about selecting certain elements, highlighting them, focusing them, trying to create an illusion of reality, but at the same time directing your attention to what he wants you to focus on. Now, before we leave Giotto, I want to point out that Giotto was actually the second chief architect of the Florence Cathedral, the Duomo. Wow. And when he died, the next chief architect was actually Andrea Pisano, the guy who made the first set of doors for the baptistery, to the design of Giotto. Giotto Ah. planned out the doors, Pisano executed them, and, of course, you know, these two guys, Giotto and Pisano, are going to influence Bruno and Ghiberti. But if you look at the panels of Pisano's door in the baptistry, they still don't have a lot of emotion in them, if any emotion. Even the scene where John the Baptist is getting his head cut off, no emotion. Yeah. Everyone's just like, Expecting you know, it to okay. Yeah, it's happening. Guess we're cutting his head off now. <laughs> yeah, John Baptist is like, I guess this is where you cut my head off? Yeah. Okay. Um, Do I stand here? Okay. All right then. Yeah. Get, yeah. get on with it. No. Yeah, it, it was when I was looking at his um, his panels. Yeah, I mean you can see an improvement as far as um, what probably would have come if they had executed something like this, say, not a hundred or two hundred years earlier. It'd probably be a lot like the paintings, and so it was a start. But yeah, compared to what's going to come with uh, the new doors, I mean, it is night and day. But but you can see, you can start to see the the perspective, the reference, the foreshadowing. You, you can see it coming. Yeah. Yeah. So, before you move off of art, I wanted to ask a question. I'm not moving off of oh, art. These I'm, shows are all no, no, I mean, art, but okay, whatever. So let me ask this question real quick. So I was looking at, uh, reading about Brunelleschi, and what's ir- ironic is, as we're going to find out later, he gets a lot of credit for the idea of perspective, specifically for per, per perspective. But um, from what you were able to come across, did, uh, he didn't so much create perspective as opposed to rediscover it. I mean, the ancient Greeks had it, the ancient Romans had it. There was an Arab scientist who had it, who actually wrote a book in the 14th century that um, Brunelleschi might have found. But um, I, I was just wondering if you if you came across anything like that where He's going to work on this um, perspective, you know, make things in the background smaller, less detailed, the things up in front bigger and everything kind of disappears into a center point. So so it looks like there's a lot more space and depth than there actually is. And the, the ironic part for me was that Gilberti is going to use that brilliantly in the future. But but uh, Brunelleschi gets a lot of credit for it, even though he re- in some ways rediscovers it back from the ancient times. Did Did you come across anything like that? Yeah, but that's we're going to do that in a, okay. in a future. Okay, we should episode, bring Alex man. on for that. Okay, go ahead. We're we're we're, we're talking about doors. Let's <laughs> not uh, skip ahead. Are you in a, are you in a rush? No. Did, did, uh, no. Have you been summoned? Has Heather, no. Heather summoned you to the bedroom or something? And you're like, come, shit. This is because no. the one opportunity I have this month. If, I better. If she would did, I would just put you on mute, let you talk for a while, because I'd be back like in two minutes. So, no, um, yeah, no, we're good here. We're good here. <laughs> Go, okay, I'm done. Here's your vibrator. I'm off. Let me know how it goes. Thanks for pleasing me. Now go please yourself. I've got work to do. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Let's talk about the panels. How are we doing for time here? Uh, 20 40, minutes. Yeah, yeah. Now, both panels um, sh- contain evidence that these two guys are very familiar with ancient Roman art already. Right. They're only in their early 20s. Yeah. But they've obviously been studying it, paying attention to it. Um, in fact, there are so many allusions to ancient Greece and ancient Roman art in these two panels that people uh, wonder if that was part of the requirement for mm. the competition. You had to make allusions, uh, allusions, not illusions, allusions to certain aspects of ancient Greece and ancient Rome. Oh. Keep in mind that at this stage, people were just starting to appreciate the art and literature of the ancient world. And it, it may have been that you know some of the um, guys that were running the competition were, were big fans. They were they've been reading Boccaccio, right. they've been reading Petrarch, they've been reading the Ancients, and they're like, no, let's let's you know that's this is cool shit. <laughs> and and it was part of the instructions. What are you laughing about? Nothing. Go ahead. This is cool shit. What's 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 Heather doing to you under no, the table? Nothing. I wish. Anyway. Well, I. I wonder if, you know, Brunelleschi and Ghiberti get the credit for bringing this ancient world into their panels, but but it seems to me as if it was somebody on the, the, the committee that set up the competition, right. somebody or a group of people that were the ones that said, you know what, let's, let's tell these guys that it has to use elements of the ancient art. Let's bring it back. Ah, bring that beat back, right. boys. And so they, these guys Please. were just doing what they were commissioned to do. Right. As it was the competition. And the, this person uh, or persons on the committee that set it up this way, gone, the, maybe they were the actual father of the Renaissance. Ah, and we don't know, we don't know who, who that is. was. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because if you want it to be but, as good as it can be, make it like the greats from you know a, th- a thousand and a half years ago. So yeah, I mean that certainly is certainly is possible that they, if you want it good, go back to the old ways because what we do now is shit compared to them. <laughs> well, it was just like somebody on the committee who was putting up the money yeah. uh, said. You know, the, this is going to be the new thing. Um, this is the big thing. Uh, you know, personally, I think it was the doctor yeah. who went back in the With TARDIS the and said, yeah. Psst, hey, hey, tell them, t- tell them to uh, copy ancient Greece and Rome. I think that, I think that could be yeah. big. Um, so anyway, whatever it is, this is what they did. Now, Ghiberti trained as a painter but hadn't matriculated from any guild. Right. Demonstrated... An extraordinary command of the handling of bronze, not just in terms of the way he's depicted the scene, but the way he made it was very, very smart. Now, um, he also, as I said before, has this depiction of the body of Isaac, which, as we said, is considered the first truly ideal Renaissance nude. It's a new vision. Right of what a human being can be. They were basically saying, if you started going to the gym at the age of six, <laughs> you too could look like this at the age of 12. <laughs> this, they... Like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Ain't they had a dream. Yeah. <laughs> now, 
unlike some of the other masters of the Renaissance that we will talk about in upcoming episodes, as far as I know, these guys were straight. Although I didn't find much about their sex right. life. We, in, we don't know a lot about their personal lives, yeah. Yeah. But one of the things that we will see is a lot of the great masters of the Renaissance that come after them were homosexuals, ah. including one of their friends who we'll get into in a future episode, Donatello. Right. Um, gay. Michelangelo, gay. Leonardo da Vinci, gay. Um, others whose <laughs> names I can't recall right now, gay. A lot of gayness. Now, I which is wait. astounding. Right. It's astounding when you consider that homosexuality was extremely illegal on pain of death. Yeah. In Italy at the time, and yet the masters of the Renaissance, the guys that created the visual component of the Renaissance or created its 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 most memorable masterpieces were um, mostly homosexual. Well, and yeah. not hiding it either. Were known homosexuals, right? Because uh, I remember the time, um, the time of Sulla. Uh, before during his time and a little bit before that, there there were gay senators, but as long as you didn't quote unquote rub it in anybody's face, they didn't, really didn't do anything about it. And so I was about to ask here. So in this time, maybe if you're gay but you don't flaunt it, then they're not going to do anything. But so what you're saying is that some of them were openly gay. I wonder if they were getting away with it because of their talents. Well, we will see. Okay. Um, might have been getting away with it because they were protected by the Medicis later on, and maybe some of the Medicis were gay uh, as well. I hope but so. we'll, we'll get into that. Okay. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so yes, Ghiberti does this, this nude of Isaac. Now, um, where did I want to go to from there? Okay, so the judges yeah. for the panels. We don't really know who they were. Right. Uh, we do know that there was a, a group of them. I think it was about 32 uh, judges that were mostly artists mm-hmm. that had come together to decide on it. Um, who did they prefer? Well, there's, there's some different versions of this story. Yeah. One version is that they chose Ghiberti. Um, now, Giorgio Vasari, the painter and historian I mentioned, wrote, only that scene which Lorenzo made as a specimen, which is still seen in the audience chamber of the Guild of Merchants, was in every part wholly perfect. The whole work had design and was very well composed. The figures had so graceful a manner, being made with grace and with very beautiful attitudes, and the whole was finished with so great diligence that it appeared not made by casting and polished with tools of iron, but blown with the breath. Wow. Yeah. But there are other theories about why they chose Ghiberti. Mm. Did you come up with any other theories in your uh, well, scant <laughs> attempt at half-assed research? Right? Thank you. Uh, well, yeah, I did read that uh, a lot of them consider that uh, Ghiberti's panel was technically 
superior, and they were also impressed that it was one solid piece, whereas Brunelleschi made several different pieces and linked them together, you know, as he as he was finishing that, and that Ghiberti's panels were stronger, used less bronze, and so weighed less. And, of course, the nude boy that you mentioned, which was rather, you know, um, bold of him, and that Brunelleschi had come from a more important family, um, and maybe they were looking to take that family down a peg. But yeah, I had read that one, either they chose um, Ghiberti, pretty much all of them together, or that they wanted to compromise. And because they did, they were impressed with both of these finalists, certainly compared to the other five, and that they wanted them to work together. So why would the fact that Ghiberti mostly made it from a single piece of bronze matter? I guess that, I don't know. I mean, I guess that shows his... Talent? Will it? I don't. Will it show up in the final product? I don't know. But uh, I guess to them that that just showed that he knew what he was doing. He could manipulate bronze better than Brunelleschi. But I don't know specifically. So the way Brunelleschi approached it, he had the back plate, and then he composed all of the figures separately and bolted them on to the back plate. Right, Ghiberti's entire panel is one piece of cast bronze except the 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 figure of Isaac which was a separate mm, piece gotcha. that was bolted on now what i read is that this was important for a number of reasons one it might have been the talent and this is all surmise nobody sure. knows but the surmise is maybe it it demonstrated that Ghiberti was just way fucking smart um, <laughs> wicked and, smart uh, wicked smart um, but also that it was lighter. Now, lighter is important for a couple of things because his figures are all hollow. Lighter because you're going to be putting 24 of these on a fucking <laughs> set of doors. Right. right. And somebody, they didn't want to have to get uh, Hodor from Game of Thrones to open and close the doors every every time somebody was going in and out. So um, coincidentally... That was how he got his name, Hodor. <laughs> hold the they door. were saying, hold the, bapis- <laughs> hold the bapistry doors open. Hodor. And hold. Yeah. <laughs> um, secondly, it comes down to the amount of bronze that you're going to use. Now, bronze was expensive. And so if Ghiberti could use less bronze, hey. that was a good thing. Also, it's going to be more durable if it's cast out of... Uh, a reduced number of pieces of bronze. Right. Um, so there's a lot of reasons why Ghiberti's approach to it, his technique, could have been important. Um, and, but, you know, uh, uh, Brunelleschi's was maybe just too dramatic. That might have been it, as we said before, too, too much torture porn going <laughs> on in Brunelleschi's. Another reason I read was that Brunelleschi worked in secret oh. for that year. And they go, hey, can we have a look? He go, no, yeah, fuck, fuck off. <laughs> Artist at, artist at work, <laughs> fuck off. And Gibbo, he was like, yeah, yeah come in. Yeah. Gibbo was like, sure, yeah. would, anyone, would like come in, have it? a look. Yeah. Come in. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, happy. I'm 21. Cool, come. Cool. Yeah. yeah, come in. You know, I'm, I'm happy to t- show you what I'm doing. Um, and they were like, we, we, we think we can work with this guy. Yeah. Like he's not. Because this is going to take uh, a while. <laughs> yes, it's going to take a while. He's not paranoid uh, right. and obsessive yeah. uh, like Bruno. Yeah, he's not an asshole. Yeah. Um, so that might have been it. But so one version of the story is that they, they awarded it to Ghiberti. The other version of the story, and the one I prefer, 
is that they couldn't choose yeah. these uh, 30-odd artists that they um, had on the committee. Right. And they decided to award it to the two of them to work on it together. Oh, that's, that's nice. It represents you Look, know, teamwork. You're both extremely talented. Um, you know, we, we're, we've got a split decision right. here. yes. Um, and I tell you what, rather than disappoint, um, yeah. you know, a, a potential great artist, because, right. you know, um, we know... We're not cunts. You know, we remember what happened to Hitler. We remember what happened to Hitler. Uh, if we'd just given him some encouragement, maybe no Holocaust. Um, so, mind you, we're all yeah. we're all Christians in the late Middle Ages, and quite frankly, we don't like the Jews. So we're kind of okay with it. We're kind of okay with the Holocaust, really. Um, but that said, we don't want that on our conscience. Um, so if, um, if we could, yeah, just why don't you two work yeah, on it together yeah. and split the money? Yeah. And Brunelleschi said, fuck you, and he left Florence. Now, either way, he did actually leave Florence, and he went to Rome to study ancient Roman architecture. He said, fuck this goldsmithing and bronze smithing sculpture bullshit. Yeah, I'm moving on. I'm going to go and become the world's greatest architect. And um, (laughs) we'll talk more about the implications of that in a later episode. So, either way... The job went to Gibbo. Now, one of the judges for the competition yeah. was somebody who was relatively important. Who was that? God? No, who? <laughs> Close. Um, God's banker. Right. Um, one of the judges for the competition was Giovanni de Bici de Medici. Wow. The father... Of Cosimo ah, de Medici. Right. Now, Giovanni is the Medici that founded the Medici Bank. Only a couple of years earlier, 1397, he had founded the Medici Bank. He owned two wool workshops in Florence and it was a member of two guilds. Damn. The Arta della Lana, the wool guild, and the Arta del Cambio the Guild of Bankers and Money Changers Nice. Uh, at this juncture. Um, so obviously, I, I, I'm not sure, but I think the Medici yeah. might come back into our story at some point. Maybe. But here you go. Right back at this early stage, it is believed that Giovanni uh, was on the judging panel. Yeah. It's actually a story in Vasari. Vasari says... That when Brunelleschi said, fuck you all, I'm going to Rome, he gave his panel, the Abraham and Isaac panel, to Cosmo de' Medici. Said, here, have this, fuck it, I'm off. (laughs) Or he was throwing it in the bin and Cosmo went, hey, can I I have that? He goes, I don't care, man, I'm gone, I'm done. And he goes, I'm an architect. Now, I find that hard to believe because at this point Cosmo was about 12. Right. So I'm not sure Vasari's got good intel on that, but... uh, Anyway, the Medici's were involved in it in some way. Right. Well, um, let's go on for a little bit then. So the job goes to Gibbo. Yes. Um, Now, the original plan, as I said earlier, was for the doors to depict scenes from the Old Testament, which is why they were doing this panel of Abraham. But at some point, it's changed to depict scenes from the New Testament instead. Wow. 
And they were designed to match the doors of Andrea Pisano, the first set of doors on the baptistry from 1329 or whatever it was. Now, his doors, like this new set of doors, were arranged in 28 quatrefoils Mm -hmm. arranged in seven rows of four. Now, what's a quatrefoil, Ray? That is where you have four circles that are interlinked with, um, you can also have the, I don't know what you call them exactly, four corners, but you can bring them together and so you have a space. It's kind of hard to verbally describe, but picture four circles touching, uh, interconnecting with each other, and so you have almost like a, what's it, like a four-leaf clover shape that you can put your artwork in. And that's what a lot of things had been done uh, up to this point. And in fact, that's what is uh, that's what uh, Gilberti is going to do as well. So in some ways, it's confining. But on, on another hand, that's what tradition says that you do. So you stick your art inside of that on the panel. Wow, very good, Ray. Thank you. You surprised me there. I thought I got you with that. You too, baby. Woo! Wow, that's- now, to carry out the uh, construction of the doors, um, Gibbo sets up a, a large workshop with a lot of artists. He's not doing it all no, himself. He's going to have a work. team of people that are helping him do this. One of those people includes Donatello, mm-hmm. the uh, teenage <laughs> ninja turtle. Now, he had gone to Rome right. with Bruno after Bruno right. spat the dummy Gave him all the middle finger. Fuck you. Fuck Florence. Fuck the baptistry. Fuck Yahweh. Fuck bronze. I'm going to Rome. Right. Donatello went with him, and then eventually he comes back and he works with Ghiberti in the workshop. Um, as I said, he'd been one of the contestants in the commission for the door, yeah. and he later becomes a famous sculptor in his own right. In fact, he made the famous homoerotic statue of David, ah, Goliath and David, David, right. called David at Bargello for Cosimo de' Medici. Um, we'll get into this in later episodes. Uh, uh, David was sort of the um, the mascot of Florence because right. they saw themselves as the scrappy little David going up against the Goliath of France and, and the Vatican at different points in time. And some of the other cities. So um, this was the most famous statue of David in Florence uh, before Michelangelo came along and went, fucking, what, statue of David? Hold my beer. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll get into uh, Donatello in an upcoming episode. Right. Now, um, but, but the, the thing about this David is, and I, I remember reading about this when I was in Florence, his statue of David is very homoerotic. He looks like a twink. Yeah. Um, he's sort of standing there <laughs> in a good way. naked with his hand on his hip right. and he's like, hey, hey, baby. Hey, sailor. And the, the book I was reading, it was a book on the Medicis, was saying it's obviously a homoerotic statue. And he got away with it. And not only did he get away with it, it like took pride of place at the Medici Palace. Yeah. Cosmo obviously knew it was gay. Um, so did he go, I don't care, gay, gay is okay in my book? <laughs> right. Or was he like, yeah, baby, why don't you? I look was, at you was, every was, day. Was, yeah, was Cosimo a little bit uh, uh, gay for Donatello? Was Donatello gay for, for Cosmo? In right. fact, they, they did have a very strange relationship. Anyway, um, we'll get into that in, in a future episode. Now, the time of this this awarding of the commission Ghiberti was 23. Wow. Um, by the time he finished 
working on Baptistry doors. He was 73. <laughs> I dream about bronze. Fucking, I pee bronze. Oh my God. Someone get me out of here. Now I can just imagine Tony Coniston yeah. at the time going, um, like, this is the longest fucking set of doors. <laughs> um, I've ever seen. Like, can't you knock it out in six months like everybody else? What is wrong with you having to take 50 years to tell this story? Exactly. See, Tony? It's not just us. We are just... Yeah. Yo, no, like like the Renaissance masters, Tony. We take our fucking time like Ghiberti. Now, are we claiming to be of the calibre of artist of Ghiberti? Look, it's not for us to say. That's for other people to say. I, some people have said that we're Renaissance masters, but it's it's for other people to decide. Uh. Um, <laughs> I'm learning from your president. Um, now, Gibbo was a perfectionist. Yes. Uh, it is said that he cast and recast panel yes. after panel oh. before he was satisfied. Um, uh, I read that even his um, submission panel, he worked with a, a, a couple of guys on casting it um, like a day before it was due to be handed in. Right. Because obviously the way they do these things is they sculpt them. The way that you make bronzes, you sculpt it in, in wax and then you make a cast off the wax and then you pour the bronze in the cast. Mm. It's a big fucking convoluted process. Right. A lot of which he had to invent uh, down the track uh, to make find better ways of doing it. And But uh, – you know, like a couple of days before his entry was due, they were all done, all finished, everyone packed up, Thank went God. home. He's there at four o'clock in the morning looking at it. He goes, nah. no, fuck, nah. it's not good enough. Goes back, does it again. <laughs> not good enough. <laughs> Bangs another one out, last minute, by himself. Right. Yeah. Also, maybe so he could keep all the credit. Um, it's a bit like, I don't know if you know this, but... Um, in the uh, 90s, I think, Sharon Osbourne um, got Ozzy to re-record all of his old solo albums um, with a new uh, uh, um, team of musicians. Okay, right. Um, uh, So he didn't have to pay uh, (laughs) fucking royalties. Fuck! To the original guys. Um, Damn. Because, you know, when, when they first recorded him, Ozzy wasn't as, you know, he didn't have, didn't have good management. She's right. now his manager. After, after Black Sabbath. This is his solo album. Oh, okay. Randy Rose is dead, um, but they went and re-recorded everyone else's parts. And so he could go, well, no, no, you get you better deal. Studio musicians, they don't get shit. I'm Ozzy. Yeah. I'm famous. Um, so he could keep more of the money from the albums. Damn. So maybe that's what Gaberti did. He yeah. was like... But he was like, Throw no, I'm going to re-record this yeah. thing. And you didn't work on this one, actually, so you get no fucking uh, no 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 credit for it. Right. Anyway, in history books. Um, the first set of doors, twenty two years he spends on it. Twenty two oh. years to do twenty four panels. Oh, that's not bad. I mean, that's uh, a little more yeah. than. Less, well, he had been given a year to make the first one. Right. 
So now he ch- cranks out 24. He's obviously getting a bit faster <laughs> as he goes. Um, it's not one a year. <laughs> now, I've looked at these things yeah. in detail, and I'm like, well, they're good, but... Oh, they're 24 years. Really? It yeah. took you a year to produce a panel? Now, I'm not saying that I'm a Renaissance <laughs> artist, but... Is there more? I reckon. <laughs> I reckon, you know, a bit of plasticine, <laughs> a, few, a few little sculpting tools. I could probably crank yeah, one of those out in less than a year. Yeah. Six months. Tops. <laughs> but I want to be paid the same amount he was. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was the thing. He was being paid was, an hourly rate. He, he was being paid an that, annual rate, so he milked it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, milked it. Um he finishes the first set of doors 22 years later. Everywhere he sighs a big sigh of relief. Uh, and they go, right, well, um, what are you doing now? He goes, nothing. <laughs> I'm going to chillax. Nothing. Yeah. This, yeah is April, chillax. this is April 19th, 1424, when they were placed on the side of the baptistry. Netflix and chill, my man. Um, <laughs> I earned this. Got yeah. a lot of Game of Thrones yeah. seasons to catch oh, up yeah. on. I got a and box they go, set. well, listen. Um, uh, we, need, we 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 want another set now. You took so fucking long. We need another set of doors. Where are you going to put these doors at? You want to, he goes, are you fucking kidding? I just spent 22 years. And they go, well, we could give it to Bruno. He goes, no, all no, right, I'll all right. It. I'll do the fucking doors. Oh, now, God. of course, he's already done it once. It's going to be easier and faster the second time around, right? Sure. Stands the reason. No. 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 28 years it took him to finish the second set of doors. 28 well, years. There's reasons for that, but we can go into that next time. Yeah, well, they, they increased his, his hourly rate is the reasons. <laughs> so it was really a union thing. Down. He slowed way down. It was a guild thing. Right. And, uh, yeah, no. Now, we'll go in. Well, the second set of doors, uh, this was actually scenes from the Old Testament. Um as originally intended for the first set. Um, but instead of 28 scenes, he's going to do 10, 10 rectangular scenes. Wow. Five rows of two. Uh, much more naturalistic, greater perspective uh, than the first set of doors because right. things have moved on You a can tell bit. the difference, yeah. Vasari writes, and it may be said in truth, that this work is in every way perfect and that it is the most beautiful work which has ever been seen in the world, whether ancient or modern. And right truly does Lorenzo deserve to be praised, seeing that one day Michelangelo Buonarroti, having stopped to look at this work and being asked what he thought of it, And whether these doors were beautiful, answered, they are so beautiful that they would do well for the gates of paradise. Praise truly appropriate and given by an able judge. And well indeed might Lorenzo complete them, seeing that from the age of 20, when he began them, he worked at them for 50 years with labour beyond belief. A life's commitment, a life's work, 
I mean, and you had to think he didn't know what he was getting into. He was just trying to win a contest. And like you said, his father said, if you can do this, life will be a lot easier for us. But who knew it was going to turn out to be this and, in some ways, the kickstarting of the Renaissance. Now, by the time he finished, he was a frail old man, close Aww. to death, a lot like you, Ray. So <coughs> he had a lot more to show for it. And he was forced reluctantly to conclude that he couldn't make any further improvement. Now, the gilded bronze panels of the last set of doors, the Gates of Paradise, were mounted in 1456, Mm -hmm. a year after Gibbo died. Now, the the town's leaders did set him up. They elected him um, to the seigneury, and they gave him some property to to support him in his old age. But does that mean he didn't get to see his panels on the door? Yeah. Well, he got to see them. I'm not sure how it works. Not sure how it works in Virginia, but (laughs) here, when you die, it's no. I mean, you know, quite a bit more difficult (laughs) to see things. Unless you're talking about maybe from heaven. Yeah. I'm sure he went to heaven. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm like, if anyone's getting into heaven. It's him. It's him. In fact, he got up to heaven and he gets to the gates gates. of paradise and they're his fucking doors. (laughs) Uh, Because Michelangelo said they're the gates of paradise. He gets up. St. Peter's there. He goes, Gibbo, about fucking time you got here, son. (laughs) By the way. What do you think of our new doors? He goes, I thought they were pearly gates. Well, they were, but, uh, but you, you know, we saw what you did. Yeah, we took it. He goes, but how? But they're, they're in Florence. Well, we, they're copies. Yeah. He goes, well, fucking copyright, motherfucker. And St. Peter was like, <laughs> pay me, bitch. We got, we got the, yeah, we got the best, we got the best lawyers. <laughs> and like all, all the best lawyers, they, they go to hell because they're lawyers. But and so we say, well, you know, you know, if you come work for us and, and get us out of copyright uh, yeah. infringement, you can you can come we up have for a the while. Best yeah. So uh, yeah, Gibbo died. Now he did other things, not just the doors, um, uh, but we'll talk a little bit about some of his other massive accomplishments. I think uh, in our next episode. So uh, with that. Ray. Yes. Um, I shall say adieu uh, until next time. Adieu. Don't forget to leave us a review. Psst, yes, please. Before we go, Ray, mm-hmm. uh, we do have some reviews yes. for the Renaissance show. I want to thank these people. Thank you. Uh, I said uh, recently that we didn't have any reviews. <laughs> Apparently, uh, it's just my app was broken. Right. We did have reviews. I just couldn't see them. So... Um, I want to start with uh, Wolf Lorian, long-time listener to our shows. Mm-hmm. Wolf, uh, he left us a nice review. He's from Ireland, so I'm going to do this in my best <laughs> Irish accent. <clears throat> the uh, title is... Sure to be sure, drink the blarnish. Warning, this could seriously damage your free time. That's a, I'm not sure that's a good... Uh, anyway, fuck it. Go with Who it. Ray and Cam return. No, it's getting, going to Scottish. <laughs> to be sure, to be sure. Ray and Cam return with what is possibly the most fascinating podcast to date. A tough call as their other podcasts are so good. Starting with the Christianization of the Roman world, they trace the causes and roots of the Renaissance with their usual flair and laughs, mixed in with the jokes, for which you will require a very healthy sense of humour. 
Ryan Cam explored not only the rebirth of logic and enlightened thinking, but they discuss many of the most important questions that any one person could ask themselves. I teach for a living, and this excellent podcast fills my days. And my lessons with colour, great conversations, and literally changed the way I live my life. I couldn't recommend it enough. Enjoy! Hi! <laughs> so, thank you, Wolf. Thank you. Hey! Can I send us an email, Wolf, with uh, your address in case you've moved since the last time we sent you a thank you gift, and we'll send you a yeah. token of our appreciation. Promise. Oh, please. Sorry, I forgot that bit.